Anybody recognize anybody in that picture? That's me on the front. No, just kidding. Um, I'm not in that picture. Um, that's a picture of West Lonsdale Baptist Church, which none of you have ever been to. Um, it's in Knoxville, Tennessee. That's the church where I met Jesus back in the late 80s, and they are celebrating this month their 100th birthday anniversary birth diversary, whatever you call it, when a church turns 100, and I was asked this week to make a video for them, just kind of telling them congratulations, telling a bit of my story, um, even though my story is just a teeny tiny little sliver of that, but I mean, if you look at that picture and you look at that building, um, that's like a long time ago, a hundred years, and I was just thinking, this is kind of strange they're asking me to make this video, but if your church is 100 years, um, that's a long time for a lot of people to die. So um, I don't mean that to be sarcastic. I'm just simply saying a lot of people come and go 100 years, and um, I was just thinking about, imagine the people who met, say, in Sunday school when they were children in a society that wasn't nearly as mobile as today's is and maybe grew up, married, had kids and grandkids and died all in the same church. Wouldn't that be astounding to think of being in the same place, worshiping, serving your entire life side by side, with the same people. I mean, 20 years seems like a long time. 30, 40 seems long. I was actually sitting over here just thinking of this room, and I was wondering, as I look around, um, Jeff and Don, how long have you two gone to church together? Just out of curiosity. At least 20 years. So 20 years, and the end, more than, yeah, Anderson's probably fit in there somehow too. Yeah, so 20 years, you go, wow, that's a long time to, go to church with somebody. So you can imagine some of these people after 20 years, they were just getting started, you know. <laughs> it's like they just turned 20, right? So um, um, that's, not, that's not 100 years of perfect unity, right? I was there for a sliver of that, and I can, I can tell you about moments of disunity. Um, and that also gives 100 years is a long time to give up to build up what pastors call, well, there's, there's an abbreviation for it, B-W-N-D-I-T-W-B. Do you guys know what that is? <laughs> but we've never done it that way before. Imagine how many things you can say, but we've never done it that way before after 100 years. My word. Um, but imagine if it were 100 years of nary a squabble, 100 years of perfect, joyful, 100% loving unity, where everybody in the place looked at each other and said, can you imagine, a hundred years and there hasn't been an argument yet. Just perfect mission, perfect ministry, perfect freedom and affection for each other. Wouldn't that be impossible? I was going to say amazing, but it, it's impossible. Now, take, take that out. To, I, was, I, was, I was listening to a podcast several years ago uh, where they were interviewing a pastor who was, 
who had come to a church in Washington, D.C. in the last few years. The church had just celebrated 100 years, and he was the third pastor. <laughs> the first one had stayed 50, and the second one had stayed 48. Um, that's impossible. But um, take that 100 and make it 200, and then 500, 1,000, 5,000, 20,000. Take it into eternity of perfect unity and joyful love and service, and you have the Trinity. You have the Trinity. God in three persons. Blessed Trinity, we sing. Looking at one another in perfect, joyful, loving unity. All the way into forever, which is a long time. It's longer than 100 years. And you have to wonder, did the Trinity ever look at each other and say, but we've never done it that way before? <laughs> Wait a minute, we're sending him to earth as a person? Wait, we've never done that before, right? No, 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 no. Um, but there is in this whatever thing we're doing here, um, something that serves, I believe, as a source and a pattern for us for our own ministry, our own unity, our own motivation. Um, in the life of Christ, in John chapter 5, Jesus had a whatever. Um, and remember, there's a dismissive, apathetic whatever. There's a shrug whatever. There's an eye roll whatever. God doesn't do either one of those. And... There was whatever, number one, Psalm 115. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. There was whatever, number two, where Jesus said, you will be taken in front of the synagogue and flogged. You will be called before the councils. You will stand before governors and kings on account of the gospel. I don't want you to be anxious. I don't want you to be afraid and worried about what you will say before you get there. Just arrive in the moment, and the Holy Spirit will give you words. And you can say whatever he gives you, and it will be as if God is speaking to that king or that governor. Just say whatever the Spirit gives you. Trust me in that moment. Now, it seems as if we skipped something in between those two, right? God does whatever he pleases in the moment of persecution. You say whatever the Spirit gives. Is there something in between there? Yes. There's something that bridges the gap to make that happen. And that is Jesus whatever. When we see Jesus living a life of ministry and mission, we see him seeing the Father. The Father who does whatever pleases him. Jesus sees him, and the Father loves him, and he joins him in his whatever. Love. The Father loves and shows. The Father joins, and the Son joins and loves. It's, it's John chapter 5. Uh, if you want to flip there, or if you have it in your Universion, click there. Um, so much in this story and so many details we could get into. Um, just watch it in The Chosen later. Uh, if you want to see some of the details. 
I really just want to hone in on Jesus' answer to those who were angry with him and wanted him dead for healing someone. So Jesus goes up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals, and there's in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades, and here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. 38 years. Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. And he asked him, do you want to get well? That seems a little unnecessary, but Jesus is after this man's heart, not just his legs. Do you want to get well? And the man has been laying there so long with only one answer to his problem in mind, says, sir, I have no one who will help me into the pool when the water is stirred while I'm trying to get in. Someone else goes down ahead of me. I'd love to get well, but you see, this is the way to get well, and I can't get any help getting well. And Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. You've been laying on this mat 38 years. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once, the man was cured, picked up his mat, and walked. No physical therapy, nothing. He just did it. And then the ominous music plays in the background. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. Bum, bum, bum. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. So they had hundreds of rules, but most of their rules were concerned with, don't you dare work on the Sabbath. And one of their rules was, don't you dare carry something too far on the Sabbath if it's a certain size and a mat was of a certain size and you don't carry something that size too far. So what are you doing carrying that mat? It's Saturday. We don't work. That's work. You're breaking the law. You're going to get us all in trouble. The man replied, well, the man who made me well, he said to me, pick up your mat and walk. In other words, I, I was an invalid for 38 years, and a guy told me to do this, and I, I'm walking now? Your problem's with him. <laughs> so they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? And the man said, well, he had this big glow around his head. He should be able, easy to find. No, he didn't say that. He said, the man who healed, I had, he had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd. Jesus was just an ordinary-looking dude, and he just slips away into the crowd. The man looks around and says, I don't know. He's, he's here somewhere, I'm sure. Jesus comes back around later and finds him in the temple and says, see, you're well again. <laughs> but you have a worse problem than your legs were, sin is your worst problem. And something worse will happen to you if you don't get a handle on that. Which is a fascinating thing because you're probably sitting here thinking, how many different ways can a man sin if he's laying on a mat for 38 years? 
But he didn't murder anybody. Did he steal from anybody? Ooh, I bet he coveted somebody else's more comfy mat. <laughs> I bet he was envious. I bet he complained. I bet, oh, yeah, you could probably go down a long list. Yeah, this is a hard thing. So the man knows who it is now, and he goes away, and he tells the Jewish leaders, oh, the guy that made me well, it's him. It's Jesus. So Jesus is in trouble now. <laughs> Apparently the guy's not. <laughs> He's off the hook. So because Jesus is doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. You see how ridiculous this is, right? In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always working to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath by healing someone and having them pick up their mat, not only was he breaking the Sabbath, he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. Now, there's something very interesting happening here because he did not use the term God. He used the term Father. He didn't say, well, God is my Father. God has been at work. And I, yeah, he didn't, he didn't say that. But if you go back to John 3, Nicodemus comes kind of as a, as a Pharisee. He says, Nicodemus, a Pharisee, came to see Jesus and it says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. So Jesus is doing stuff that only God could do. God must be with this guy. And Jesus said, he says here, so, so they see something, whoa, this is, this is kind of a God thing. And Jesus says, well, this isn't just a God with thing. This is a my father thing and my father has always been at work he never stops working as we just sang my father's always at work to this day right now the sabbath and i i too am working he's never not working and guess what i'm working alongside him with my father He's calling God his father. He's making himself equal with God. It's blasphemy. And Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, this is two parts. The son can do nothing by himself. The son does nothing on his own initiative. The son never looks at the spirit and the father and says, you guys wait over here. I've got a plan. I've got an idea. I'm going to go over here and do this. I know we were going to do this, but this could be cool. The son never does that. The son, the son has a to-don't list, and on his to-don't list is anything apart from the father. <laughs> I can do nothing by myself. I can do nothing by myself. I can only do what I see my father doing. So I can't do anything on my own. I don't do anything on my own initiative. I can only do what I see my father doing. 
So I watch my father, and what my father does, the son also does. Whatever the father does, the son also does. So there's the whatever of Jesus. Jesus does whatever. And it's not a whatever of just like, I just do anything. No, his whatever includes a nothing. A nothing on my own, that's not in the whatever. The whatever is whatever he sees his father doing. So Jesus watches the father, and it says, the father loves the son. So, so picture this, a father and a son. The father says to the son, son, I love you. And this is what I'm doing. And I'm, I'm going to say this in human terms, okay? So this is at your house. Let's imagine you've got a son. Son, I love you. I'm working on this today. I'd like you to join me in this. I know you thought you were doing whatever today, but we're doing this whatever today. <laughs> and the son says, I love you, Dad, and I'll do whatever you're doing. <laughs> and they do it together. The son does whatever he sees the father who loves him doing. So, that day, when Jesus walked into the temple, somehow, I don't, I don't know, I mean, there are times we know where Jesus stopped everything and, and we know that he talked to the Father, like out loud, so that everybody could hear him talking to the Father. And sometimes it thundered in return. But that doesn't seem to be what happened here. But somehow there's this communication happening, and the Father says, right there, that's where I'm working. That guy, he's been an invalid for 38 years. Um, let's heal him. I love you, son. <laughs> let's go do that. Oh, absolutely, Dad. <laughs> Get up, take up your mat. He walks. Father says, son, I love it when we do that. You're in trouble now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. The father loves him. The son keeps his eyes and ears open. The father shows him. The son loves him in return and joins him in what he sees him doing. If you think of all the Gospels working this way, it's an entirely different way of reading the Gospels. When the leper comes to Jesus, the father says, I love you, son. This is where I'm at work right now. Come on, join me. We're going to cleanse this leper. Jesus reaches out and touches him. Be clean. That was great, Father. Let's do that again. Blind people, lame people, deaf people, dead people. Son, I love you. This dead guy, that's what I'm doing. Would you like to join me with this dead guy? Yeah, Father. Let's raise him. Okay. <laughs> Loving and showing, joining in love. I don't do anything on my own initiative. 
just join my father. He loves me. And then he goes on with a whole lot more, but that's, that's really enough. For the father loves the son. Now imagine he's looking at the people who want him dead. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. So everything the father's doing, he shows me. So when I, Jesus says, as I walk through this world, I can see everything my father is at work doing. Just imagine being able to look around the world and say, oh, that's God at work, that's God at work. That's how God's working there. Just imagine having that kind of vision. That's incredible. Jesus walked through the world like that. And he says, yes, and he will show him even greater works than this so that you will be amazed, Pharisees. Imagine them going, you're going to amaze us. For it's just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whomever he is pleased to give it. Psalm 115. God does whatever he pleases. The Son gives life to whomever he is pleased to give it. He and the Father work together on that. Moreover, the Father judges no one. He's given that into the Son's hands. So that everyone may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. You don't honor the Son, you don't honor the Father. Imagine looking at a Pharisee and saying, you think you're honoring God, but you're not honoring me, so you're not honoring him. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. Time is coming. It has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge. <coughs> because he's the Son of Man. And listen to this. Do not be amazed at this. Wait a minute. I thought this was so be a, they'd be amazed. Oh yeah, this isn't the amazing time part. The amazing part is there's a time coming where every dead person is going to hear my voice and they're going to come out. And I'm going to judge everybody. I mean, this is amazing. Where do you see what's coming? And then he says it again, verse 30, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. I listen. My judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. So you see how the gap is filled in here. God does whatever he pleases. Father loves the Son. He shows the Son what he is doing. The Son loves the Father, sees what the Father is doing, and does whatever the Father is doing. And they work hand in hand in perfect, joyful, loving, obedient unity. Even to death on a cross. us, us, the Father loves us, the Spirit of Jesus Christ in us, Holy Spirit in us, is the Father still working to this day? Has the Father hit the pause button? Is he snoozing now? Or is he still at work all around us? If you think he's still at work, the next question then is obvious. 
Will he show us what he is doing? Can we still join him? So when you fast forward to where Jesus is getting to this point with his disciples in John 15, he says, abide in me and I will abide in you. Abide in my words and my words will abide in you. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You see that? Abide in my love. Live in my love with my words in you. And then he makes a parallel. If you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do a whole lot of whatever, but it'll be a whole lot of nothing. (laughs) So, if you were to just put everything away, everything away and just rest, Settle down. What do you see the Father doing in your life? What would it take for you to join him in what he's doing? Might be something risky. If you've known it for a while, it gets more risky. See, there's, there's two different sides of this, right? We're about to have an ask elder time here, right? And it's, there's this, this kind of feeling like that church on the screen lasted 100 years. We need at least a 20-year plan. <laughs> or maybe... We need to see the Father. See where he's working. Know he loves us. And have the courage to join him in whatever it is. And make sure that we do nothing on our own initiative. Let me pray for you all. You've been listening to Sunday Morning at Creekside Church in Spring, Texas. We're glad you joined us. For more information, please check out our website at www.mycreeksidechurch.org.